2: Is going on, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by both of my gaming dads, Paris Lily and Gary widow Both to see nice to see you both. But you know what? We have two special guests, and I gotta get to them first to bring the energy and get them smiling. Joining us from Iron Galaxy to talk all things rumbleverse maybe some more stuff. After at the end of the show, we have Adam Boyce, co-CEO of Iron Galaxy, and Adam Hart, lead designer on Rumbleverse, joining us. Adams, welcome to the both of you. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks>. Awesome <laughs> to have you both. Of course, congratulations. The first weekend is in the books. Launch week is now live for Rumbleverse, and it's really awesome to have you both sit down with myself and my two gaming dads here on the X Cast to talk all things Rumbleverse, which we're gonna do in just a couple moments of course paris lily how are you doing today
3: i'm doing fantastic uh i have a child that is going off to college so my weekend has been chaos but wow I've, i have gotten some time in with Romoverse, and i'm excited to talk about this it's gonna be fun
4: you get ah. to do the drive paris away or are you are you taking them or what's going on
3: no they get to drive themselves i just get to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my job <laughs> <laughs>
2: fuck
1: you
3: the worst of both worlds all, <laughs> yeah.
2: all right a big gaming dad moment right there for paris a big weekend and of course gary of the rogue one gary you have some very special news to talk about right now i mean we've been talking Dog each and every week we also have something big with loodle kind of like these developers they got something big going on what do you got gary
5: well i said before the show you might not know but you got three game developers on the podcast today because loodle- having uh, successfully disgusted more than 12 million people on the web, has now uh, migrated to the app stores uh, near you. And uh, if you want to play basically a filthy uh, version of Wordle that only accepts dirty words, um, and some of them really are quite disgusting, I'm very proud of myself for building that dictionary. Uh, It's available now uh, on the iOS app store and uh, Google Play store for... Uh, Android phones. It's free. You can play a new endless mode where you can do as many dirty words as you want. Typically, before that, you know, you could only do one a day. It was on a twenty-four hour uh, clock. Um, and uh, yeah, go get it. It's it's always free. Nothing to pay for. And uh, if you like it, please leave a rating and a review because it helps the master algorithm uh, recommend the app to to other people. Yeah, it's been it's really been fun to make. Adam Nickovision, or sorry, Adam Nickovision's his company. Adam Nickerson, who is my partner in crime on a, a bunch of stupid ass projects. Um, built the app and did an amazing job with it. And uh, we're I'm proud not the right word, but we're, we're happy to see it out in the world.
2: Congratulations.
5: Congratulations. Thank you.
2: Congratulations is right. Gary, of course, uh, Bear just brought up the logo logos looking good, Gary. I like that with a little mm. drip emoji. on. Yeah. It's L. a combination
5: okay. of the, uh, the um, what is it? The aubergine or the, I can't remember that it's the one that people exactly. use when they want to use a penis. <laughs> and then the, 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 t- the typical, the typical name for the other emoji is um, uh sweat, but in our it's jizz. Let's you know oh, let's not, oh wow, let's we're gonna go there anyone. right at the yeah. beginning of the yeah. podcast. All right, yeah,
2: Gary, you are the absolute <laughs> best. There are is three developers on the show today. We gotta get right into it because I want to get the guys from Iron Galaxy but, talking all about their brand new game. But you'll probably yeah. notice that you know, last night on our kind of funny stream, we joined the Min Max team for Trivia Tower with our friend over there, Ben Hansen, and his community absolutely brought it. Unfortunately, The Kinda of Funny Best Friends, we're not good at trivia and we lost. My punishment for the week was supposed to intro this show with a whole lot of helium in my lungs and give you a fun intro, but unfortunately, I popped the balloon right before the show started, <laughs> so you will get that fun intro next week. I won't have to embarrass myself in front of the Adams right now, but let's jump right into the show because this is the kind of funny Xcast each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com/slash kind of funny games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. We bring you all the Xbox talk that you want. Don't forget we are now Epic Games partners, which means if you're buying games off the Epic Games store, if you're upgrading your look in Fortnite, or maybe playing Rumbleverse, you can help support the team over here at Kind of Funny with our Epic Creator Code, Kind of Funny at checkout. It's no additional cost to you, and you can help support the team in a brand new way. And a big shout-out to our good friend, part of the team at Kind of Funny, Blessing out of Yo-Ye Jr. from the PSI Love You XOXO team. Kind of Funny Games Daily, because he will be hosting the first-ever Disney and Marvel Games Showcase on Friday, September 9th. So make sure to tune in and support him. And, of course, check out all the exciting reveals, announcements, and trailers on the way very, very soon. So congratulations, Bless. Very, very dope on behalf of the kind of funny X cast team. We'd like to thank all of the people who support us, whether you're watching live over on Patreon or if you're listening in on podcast services or over on YouTube, we'd like to thank our Patreon producers as well for the month of August, Fargo Brady, Delaney twinning James Hastings and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support this week. The kind of funny X cast is sponsored by Shopify and uplift. We'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Let's jump right into the show. We got the team from Iron Galaxy here, Adam Boys and Adam Hart, to talk all things Rumbleverse. And I've been playing this all weekend long. I played a little too late with Adam last night or a couple nights ago, but we had a ton of fun. So let's jump into it, Adam Boys. I'll start with you. The idea of a melee focused battle royale wrestling set. Where did you and the team at Iron Galaxy come up with this crazy idea?
4: I, I, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of brainstorming. We, you know, we know multiplayer as a studio, we know fighting as a studio, killer instinct, dive kick, street fighter, third strike. It's, it's part of our blood, you know, uh, uh competitive fighting and stuff like that. So we knew we wanted that to be part of it. We were sort of jamming on what should be the next thing we pitch. You know, as a studio, we work on a lot of other people's games. We port a lot of products and stuff like that, too. We wanted something original. We wanted something new and fresh. Um, and so me and Craig Kuyava, uh, who is on our production team, we were jamming on a really horrible idea for this gory, over-the-top battle royale idea. We went to Dave and Chelsea, and, the, and Dave's just like, Dave Langer found is was like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. And Chelsea just sort of takes a sip of her gin and tonic, and she goes, we should do wrestling. I swear to you, that's exactly what happened. So, at that uh, lobby bar in in Orlando, for the next five hours, we just jammed on the concept of what would it be like to elbow drop someone off a forty story building. What does this world look like? Everyone's board of champion, the greatest champions, the mayor, the strongest person in the country, is the president, and then the whole lore of Rumbleverse sort of exploded. And then we went back to the office and started telling people about it. I remember grabbing Adam Hart because we were down in Orlando. I'm like, we got this crazy wild idea. Can this work? And Adam, I remember your reaction, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. He he pulled me into a meeting room and he's just like, what do you think? Wrestling Battle Royale. Funny, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's really funny. He starts talking about how funny it would be. I'm laughing and having a good time. I leave the meeting room. I'm like, he's not serious. He's just telling me a funny thing. And then, and then a couple weeks later, he's like, Adam, we signed it. We're doing it. <laughs>
4: And it's uh, team, team yeah, a difficult, it. like, difficult the different... concept to pull off, but uh, we did it, yeah. That was my favorite part. The design team was like, can we pull this off, you know, mainly at scale? We, the tech team, Ramon Franco and his crew was like, this is really hard to do. And I was like, right, but the idea. And they're like, right, but we have to make this now. Um, And so it was kind of like a big group effort. Lars, uh, who's our game director now, he created a cool animatic. And the whole thing almost created a a whole vibe of its own. People were writing lore. I remember Adam writing a bunch of backstory for the character and the worlds and stuff like that. So the team, though, throughout the years have just, like, added more and more ideas. So that was the inception of it, Mike. And then over time, it just sort of created, it became became a beast of its own.
2: Well, congratulations, guys. Of course, we are celebrating launch week. Free to play. Mm -hmm out now everywhere it's got cross-platform play cross progression thanks to your teamwork over with epic but adam adam hart i want to go over to you you're the lead designer for this game and i think the big one we talked about is that fighting game lineage you and i and adam boys over there beforehand have spoken about killer instinct and the idea of now going into the melee battle royale what did it look like from a design standpoint for you to create something like this
1: yeah, it's, it's it's like kind of a dream, honestly. I, I uh, was lucky enough to kind of turn a joke into a game with Dive Kick, and that ended up being a, a pretty interesting deconstruction of what a fighting game is and making like the simplest possible thing. And then I got to live the, you know, every, every young fighting game player's dream and do Killer Instinct and make something really ridiculously complicated and intense. Uh, so I got to hit both ends of the spectrum as far as, you know, fighting games go. So for me, in my brain, next step was like, Let me, I want to take what I love about fighting games, do something else with it. So when Adam brought me this idea, and there have been many ideas before this too, that we've hashed about that are kind of in the same realm of how can we take those fighting sensibilities that I think a lot of people love, even if they don't love fighting games and make them new, right? Just kitchen sink, throw it all out. We're going to start completely from scratch. We're going to rebuild the things you love, but in a new way. And we're going to recontextualize everything. Uh, and those are the types of projects that really get us excited. And Rumbleverse is absolutely that project. Like, yeah, it kind of feels like fighting games. Not built like one. It certainly doesn't have the flow of one. Uh, and it maybe addresses a lot of the reasons that people who want to like fighting games can't get into them. We've seen incredible success in the studio with players, uh, uh, developers who have come into the studio, been put on the project, and said, "Adam, I, I'm not going to be good at this one. I don't play fighting games." And then two months later, they're a god. <laughs> right there's just something about the ability to disengage the ability to play with a friend the high clarity of the action in the game where it's pretty obvious what you did wrong and what you could do differently uh, that really keeps you kind of hitting one more game and then really improving and and kind of forging your own path forward to becoming uh, a strong player
3: I I think you 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 actually hit on it for me because I'm not into fighting games. That's, that's not my bag. That's not something that I gravitate towards. Like, you know, everyone was at evil. And I was like, you guys have fun. I won't yeah. be there." But, <laughs> um, but this kind of what you're saying, I felt like as someone who's not really into fighting games, me diving into it, I was like, okay, okay. I, I get it. I get it. I don't feel overwhelmed. I don't feel like I can't succeed. Like matter of fact, my very first match, I didn't win, obviously, but You know, I got like four or five KOs and I'm like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing yet. And I'm having success playing the game. So but then my next match, I got destroyed. But that's besides the point where I felt like as a non fighting gaming fan, if I'm saying that right, this was very approachable to me. And then you throw in the battle royale elements to it as well. I was like, I understand the concepts. I get the progression on this and I'm having fun. Like from from match one, I I was having fun. Success
1: is the key word. You kind of yeah. said, "Hey, I'm having success." Yeah. That's impossible in a one v one fighting game. It's like you right. get put in a shoebox diorama with me, <laughs> and then you get exploded and comboed to death. And there's nothing in there that you could like identify yourself as a micro win or a small success that you can be like, "Okay, I'm taking that one." Yeah, you know. And when you build something a Rumbleverse, it's filled with opportunities for successes, even if you didn't win. Like there are matches where I play with my friends and we land the sickest duo combo in the universe and we lose, but it doesn't matter. We feel like winners. we had that momentary success and the game is just littered with ways to feel good. Even if you didn't get the W.
4: Yeah. Paris, I'm on team you all the T Paris all all the day long because like I never, I just, Pure punishment, pure pain, pure suffering. I worked at Capcom. I worked on Street Fighter h Remix and, and all these other games and just got murdered all the time. I remember being Seth one time, Seth Killian, just by spamming with Blanca. And he's like, nobody's ever played as such a scrub. And I just <laughs> beat him one round. I was like, that's it. Put my hands on. I'm like, I'm never <laughs> playing again. But the one of the inspirations was that, remember when Overwatch stopped doing KD ratios and started to play of the game? To me, yeah. that was like a transformational mental change for me as a, as a multiplayer gamer. I just wanted to be on that reel. I wanted that moment to be my win. Uh, you know, I play a lot of battlefield and I just want to throw down that one mine and hide in that one bush so that one tank rolls over and explodes. And I'm like, boom, I made my night, right? And that's to me what we try to set out to do with Rumbleverse is create, a, create an experience where you can have those. And sometimes when it happens to you, it's it's funny. And so it sort of softens the blow of you maybe getting KO'd or getting some big thing happen because you're like, I can't believe that happened to me. Um, so how do you create like a, almost like a highlight reel type of gameplay that doesn't get too old too quickly. And that's really what we try to dial in on is then also making it watchable, um, for people also that aren't that good at it. So to your point Paris, maybe if people are still watching it, but there's still fun things happening, I want people to still enjoy it. So that way you still get, you know, some smiles and laughs, even if you, um, are getting, you know, dummied the whole way through.
5: I actually think that's a, a really a really good point you make, Adam, about the, the whole like. And it's something I've seen emerging in in games more in the past couple of years is the idea of trying to design games in a way that they're basically like memorable moment generators, right? You want to yeah. create moments. Like you can yeah. talk about how you won the game, but that's like again, like the KD statistic is like it's just a number, right? But it's like yeah. take a look at this amazing batch, like and win the game. But look at this one batshit thing that happened. Right. That's really, I think, yeah. that's kind of increasingly behooves game designers to try and make those things happen, especially now that we live in a world of highlight reels and, and YouTube compilations and clips. And like one of the reasons why we all like Fall Guys so much is, right, it just mm-hmm. constantly serves up mad moments on, a, on, a, you know, on an ongoing basis. And, oh, clip that, clip that. And so I think it's a really, I don't know how you begin to design with that as a goal, but I think it's really smart to have that as a goal.
4: One of the pillars actually we did have, Gary, was it has to be entertaining to watch someone bad at it. And that was really right. something we thought about all the way through because when, when Fortnite first took off and everyone wanted to play it and Jake Paul's playing all the stuff and people aren't that good at it, you're tuning in and you're like, this is not enjoyable to watch. Whereas this, you can almost role play a really bad player and just have a hilarious stream, you know, where people are having a good time watching you. Um, and that's a really important part. It is tough, but I mean, I give so much credit to the design team and the art team for evoking building a very... A live, bright vibrant world with a lot of puns involved you know um squats chicken or, or slow squatted chicken uh where the guy basically racks down for four hours slow squats the chicken presses it up and serves it to the customers right anytime you go through a drive-through in the game you can actually get free chicken but stuff like that the build the world as long as it's inviting and fun and inspiring it just sort of wrote these moments that allowed the designers i think to add a ton of great animations and make the world come alive
1: yeah, basically, you play Rumbleverse for one hour, and two things are going to happen. One, you're going to see something really dumb; it's going to make you <laughs> laugh. Two, you're going to see something really cool. It might happen to you, but you're going to see something really cool, and it's going to make you smile. And I, I think that that ratio holds true. It's hard to play this game for an hour and not see both of those things. Adam, please, always... get... oh, go no, for no, it.
5: it. I, I just wanted to ask, just the battle royale of it all fascinates me. It's like it's obviously been like such a popular trend in the in the past few years since it blew up with. With PUBG and H1Z1, you know, b- before that. It's been fascinating to watch as, as game developers. I'm just kind of curious to know like what you have what how you've kind of observed the the kind of the explosion of kind of battle royale as kind of a, a genre unto itself over the past couple of years. It's been, to me, it's been really surprising. Well, I remember when, when PUBG first started doing I thought, okay, great, this is now the new shooter dynamic. And, and so it's proven to be. But it's been really, really interesting to 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 see just how surprisingly adaptable and compatible it is with all kinds of different games like there's a mario battle royale there's a pac-man battle royale there's a tetris battle royale and obviously this isn't so much as a reach as that because it's you know it, it's still kind of combat focused but i was just interested to to know like was, was battle royale like always kind of one of the foundational elements of it and, and and in a and in a space that is now so crowded with apex and fortnite and everything else, and all these kind of 99 to 1 games that are out there how you, aside from obviously the fact that it's the combat's inherently different because it's melee, it's wrestling, like how you you differentiate yourself in that space.
1: I'll say it wasn't as crowded as it is now when we started four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we kind of took the same approach as I talked about with the fighting games where we're like, hey, a lot of people seem to want to like fighting games, but don't. How can we distill some of that here? It's the same thing with battle royales. A lot of people want to like battle royales, but maybe don't. Is there a way we can kind of, Pick out the things that are really awesome about it. Pick out some of the things that frustrate people, and when we're kind of making this brand new thing, uh, build something that is going to, to appeal to both groups, but also appeal to people who want to be in both groups but haven't found their game yet. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Adam.
4: I was going to say the other thing about. It, I remember the first time I played PUBG, Gary. It was like uh, I was 11 p.m. I got my first, I got my first chicken. I won the match, and my heart was racing so hard I couldn't sleep for five hours. Like it was such an intense experience because it was so high octane, high intensity. You know, you peek out and you get sniped by a person three pixels high. We thought about that too of like, okay, what is that all about? That is about, I don't create a relationship with another player. I just get, I I become their victim, right? And so what would it be like if you take away the guns? Right. How do you have to change a bunch of the aspects of it? Even the way our ring, you don't get you know health out when you're outside the ring. It's a countdown timer. But that created a really neat dynamic because instead of this big I always feel like um for me, shooter battle royals are like the tick, 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 tick of a like a like a roller coaster boom you come down and your heart's just racing whereas we were like what was it what would it be like if there's a bunch of loop to loops and stuff along the the uh the journey i was playing last night with with johnny johnny v uh we were playing together we saw these guys on another another uh top of a building and it, again it, it, heart isn't racing because i'm like they're over there they see us we see them I lob a protein <laughs> a protein pack at them. They throw a chair back at me, and then we're like, okay, are we going to do it? We're going to do it. And then we jump towards each other and have this sort of battle, whereas that doesn't happen in the shooter. So we also want to sort of play with the dynamics of how a battle royale works and twist it up a bit. So Because as soon as you get that nice OP gun, usually in a shooter, it's kind of like, okay, these are my next three steps. In our game, we want to make it more like a, a freestyle improv, right? It's more like a ballet. You're dancing back and forth. How are we going to go through this experience so it was you know it, it i don't want to say it was easy because we uncovered a lot we tried a lot of things on Adam remembers all the iterations we've tried with rule sets and different ways the the even the way the ring size is and, and how fast it moves but um the good news is when there's that pressure uh of combat at the end of it then it makes it sort of like that the finale the final ring is is always the the greatest point the
1: match it's almost like a qualifying round the whole game is a qualifying round and then the final ring is like the people who made it but there's some really interesting things just about battle royales in general like some nice benefits that you just get like we're talking about micro successes earlier hey i got top five i feel great i'm better than you know most of the lobby (laughs) right and we, we we did studies on this stuff with uh the people in the studio we'd play an hour and have everybody report their placings and within one hour of gameplay, 75% of the players would rank in the top 25% of a game. And they would all feel like they're better than 75% of the players, which obviously can't be true, but they all feel that way. And that's really important. And then, of course, the other thing that plagues multiplayer games is always disconnects, rage quits, whatever, right? You spend three minutes finding a fighting, game match, the other dude quits for whatever reason, or he disconnects. Now your time is wasted. When you're playing Battle Royale, if somebody quits, you don't even know. You just like oh i'm one closer (laughs) no i was in 30th place now i'm in 29th place god like so he must have been uh must have been eliminated by someone else so like that problem almost solves itself just by nature of the format which is a really nice thing
3: so you you went cross-platform which obviously is is amazing and awesome to have day one but you also went free to play so what what was the decision that went into going with with that option
4: yeah, that, I mean, both those things, Paris, the good news is as a studio, we've worked on, I think at this point, over 100 games over the last 14 years as a studio. Uh, so the cross-platform part, we needed to do. We knew it was in our blood. Mm-hmm. We've done it for other platforms. Let's make sure we do it for this. And the free-to-play was like, what we just want an ability for everyone to try it out, right? You build something, you put your heart and soul into it, right? If you put a price tag on it, um, it's really hard, especially when you're in... in What we try to do is do something a little bit different, new and fresh. The more eyeballs that come in the free to play game, uh, it also gave us the ability to sort of build it and and have a multi-year plan of like, here's the things we want to do. And sometimes with a premium game, right? Especially if you find a traditional sort of publisher. They're just ramping towards the final day. What was the pre-orders? All those sort of things that you're like, this game, we we think it's going to come really alive in month 12 or month 24. Mm. And that's just really hard to do with a premium product, right? Also, you want a lot of users and players playing the game at the start. Um, it was definitely new when I was, uh, you know, back in my console days and I was at PlayStation, Free pretty- to Free-to-play games, I know we don't say that word very often on this podcast, but um, free-to-play games are brand new, and the idea of having them on console, even Killer Instinct, you guys remember we were we were running that on, on Xbox when it was free-to-play, right? There were still a lot of packages you could buy for it and stuff like that. But uh, we just thought it would bring the players, and the players then would hopefully bring the excitement for it, and then we'll be able to have this this uh, open session, with uh, jam session with all the players, and, and make it and evolve it over time.
5: I want to ask a little bit more about that because I, I I find the whole free-to-play microtransaction economy fascinating. We talk about it all the time on the show and yeah, it's obviously yeah. a big part of the gaming conversation right now in general as, mo- as more games kind of move to that model. We just saw four guys go free-to-play and Fortnite mm-hmm. and others obviously have been doing it now for a while. It's a very established way of doing things. I'm old enough to remember, of course, as many of us are, the old days where you would design a game, the creative team would design a game and then the commercial team would come along and slap a price sticker on it and, and market it and sell it, right? Now it seems like in a world where the game is given to you for free, but it's monetized on the back end by buying cosmetics, by um, you know buying battle passes, and, and any other number of ways in which you get, you want to keep people putting the coin in the slot so you can continue to you know make the game. It feels like that that those that Venn diagrams kind of overlap. Where like as you're designing microtransactions and ways to monetize the game on the back end for a free to play game that you've almost you almost need to have like the creative team and the commercial team in the room together figuring out is this is this at, is this gonna make us money doing this, but also is it the right creative choice and I don't know if you often end up in conflict or whatever, but you want you know, you don't want to fall into a pay to win trap you don't want to get greedy but you but you still want to make money right you have to make money other, otherwise the game's gonna gonna go broke so it, it just seems like a very narrow tightrope, and I just think it's fascinating the idea that now as you design a game for microtransactions and, and, and that kind of monetization, that the creative decisions that you make and the commercial decisions that have to be made are now kind of, not necessarily in conflict, but like brought together. And I just wondered what that experience was like for you guys on, on this one.
4: Yeah, I could sort of touch on it holistically and then Adam can talk, talk about it more sort of from a team perspective. But like, um, to me, Gary, it's just, we, what I love about it is that you don't have to spend a dime. And i also love that if you don't spend a dime we still have progression through the league progression that unlocks outfits and stuff like that there's always i remember playing ultima online and there's always the newbie robe and anytime running around anyone running around that single newbie robe you knew exactly they're brand new to the game right we want people to have a lot of options if they come in for free and they can hang out man it's just like that's that's what sort of makes a game experience rich uh and then the cosmetics is is that's my jam man. i am the the sneakerhead, the guy with a ton of hats, the guy that's gonna flex. I bought my Moosecill's outfit today, right? Doing the worm emote and stuff like that. That's sort of how I like to play. I like to sort of um show off and stuff like that. But you do you do want to find a balance. The the thing that we said from the start though, Gary, is it'll never be pay-to-win, right? Nothing that you buy will ever impact um gameplay like you know the amount of damage you do that's absolutely critical to us uh at the same time it's kind of like the way i like to uh, use the analogies like, it's like if, if you like a band maybe you buy one album maybe you buy a couple albums maybe you buy the t-shirt the poster and stuff like that uh, if you love our game hopefully you buy you know one or a couple outfits but if you don't it's no big deal because there's enough people that are willing to do that um but it really doesn't i mean the the, the team is so focused on making an incredibly robust experience that that conflict never comes in. Because what we talked about, we've talked to so many different free-to-play studios. And of course, working with Epic, we had uh, direct access to the Fortnite team and and the Fall Guys team and the Rocket League team. And they taught us so much. One of the biggest things most teams taught us is you'll never know what's going to pop. So you can guess, you can do all the market research on planet Earth. You have no idea what's going to be the number one selling thing. And and the marketing team will have their opinion. The MTX team will have theirs. The ART team will have theirs. And usually all of them are wrong or something new sort of emerges. So the good news is it's not beholden. It isn't really a team dynamic. And Adam, I mean, you can speak to it. The MTX team never, the microtransaction team doesn't tell you what to do or how to make decisions.
1: Yeah, there haven't been any of those types of conflicts. And I don't expect that there will be, like Adam said. <clears throat> pay to win is not something we're interested in even discussing. So uh, uh, pretty clear marching orders on that. But I do think just being free to play as a multiplayer game is so important mm-hmm. because the content, obviously there's like content in the game, there's things to do, there's weapons to fight and special moves, but the real content of a multiplayer game is the opponent's. Uh, each one of them is a new enemy type or a new AI, if you want to consider it that way, right? When you drop into a game, you're fighting 39 last bosses all at the same time. Right, right. Um, and, and it's really important to keep the variety of that high not only to keep like matchmaking times fast and to make sure that, uh, you know, people are finding matches that are, uh, appropriate to their skill level or whatever, so that they're all having a good time. Um, but it, it, if you don't have the population, you can't do it. Uh, so free-to-play is just it's the key that unlocks the rest of it you have to do it i think for a multiplayer game especially of this scale sticking with the storefront of course the game is released
2: we've seen the first rotation of the storefront as well and we know the battle pass is right around the corner so i definitely want to talk to you guys about the battle pass and the vision but also like when we talk about these live service games the flow and of course what is that like on your guys' side of adjusting to the market do you see Users happy with the pricing of the cosmetics? Do you see them upset? And what can you guys do as a team? Where do you guys meet and say, hey, we need to adjust X, Y, or Z? What have you done so far?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's really you're monitoring sentiment, right? There's a bunch of people. This is the sort of nerdy science stuff of it when you're published a game and there's people looking at charts and graphs, or do people like it? What's the positive sentiment? What's the conversion rate? All that stuff. That stuff's important but there's also the feeling part of it. Does the team feel fulfilled? Uh, from a decision-making process, you really have to be way ahead of the curve. I mean, we're not making something like right now, the art team isn't building an outfit that's gonna be available in like a week. It's gonna be available probably in like five months, right? So we really have to plan ahead. And that's actually one of the reasons, Mike, that we you know we announced at the Game Awards, December, January, we already talked about uh, pushing it out. We sort of did the math and we're like, we want more robust offerings at launch. We want more content available. We want more store refreshes, we want the playground mode. So people can learn how to do things in a safe environment. What want duos to be there and all that stuff takes time. So that was one of the decisions we made to push it out. And what we then were able to do is have a nice full one, you know, season. And then we started working on season two. What does the future look like down the road? Uh, so we have a lot of that stuff in the can, but you do react. I mean, you see what happens. Mm-hmm. Very early on, there was this sign bug where people would double bounce and do massive damage. It was like a nuke hit. We, we, we did a very quick hot fix to get that out of the game. So you're learning as you go, same thing with what's popular, what outfits are popular, what emotes are popular and stuff like that. So you're monitoring it. Price sensitivity is important. The battle pass offering, right? You want people to be around. The thing that I'm really proud about our battle pass is it's, it's a thousand brawl of bills. And if you finish it, you get 1,500 brawler bills through the creation. So you basically get more money than you, than you spend throughout it, plus a bunch of outfits. I think that's really important, too, um, for that path, right? And if you just want to be the person, the stylish one, just buying stuff here and there, you could do that, too. So I think it just gives everyone options. But we're always listening, whether it's people on Discord, on Reddit, on Twitter. Um, you kind of got to be everywhere watching, uh, like, like I said, all the leaderboards flashing up of the feedback and, and how you're doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, to to me, when I think about these battle passes, and like you just mentioned, like a season two, especially in a free to play environment, it's content is king. It's Absolutely. what is driving me to keep coming back week after week. You know, we talk about this a lot, a lot on the show of you can have an amazing launch, it can be very fun. But what does month three look like? What does month yeah. six look like on on down the road? What are you doing to keep me engaged? And it sounds like from everything that you're you're saying, you, you definitely have a roadmap, you have a plan. On, on attacking that. And I think the most critical part is the last thing that you said is listening to the community. Absolutely. What is the community saying? What are they talking about? What are they liking? What don't they like? And I would assume internally, you having the flexibility to adjust as needed, depending on the needs and the wants of what the community is asking.
4: Absolutely. I mean, uh, Paris. I, I say that I would not have predicted our Rumble support doing about 40 tweets, you know, so far, or probably more, on the different updates. And we're doing matchmaking yeah. tweaks, and there was queue issues and stuff like that. I mean, you're fixing something on the fly, and you just want to be transparent. It, the olden days, to Gary's point earlier, you just ship it, and you cross your finger that it's on press right. on disk, and you get to do nothing about it. Now we have teams that are basically working to support it and try to make it better. Um, but that transparency, I think is key and not everyone gets that. Not everyone understands or like you've been working on this for four years. Why isn't it perfect? You're like, it's a live product, right? We're going to stumble the biggest sort of, uh, thing we talked about of the team, you know, a couple months leading up to launch is like it is the biggest year of improv we're about to go through, right? We're going to come, so many problems are going to come our way and we're going to adjust and, and uh, change it. So it's not never going to be perfect. We're really proud about the the games we've made already. Uh, we've seen matchmaking times go down and stuff like that, but it is listening too. And so we got to predict, and I, I bet Gary can sort of uh, resonate, like people are going to have opinions of what we should do next. We have to have a vision, right? That's going to be influenced by the players as well, right? But they can't dictate the future per se. We've got some concepts, but you you get, you get uh, you know, you listen and uh, and you learn. But, but uh, you still, I think the vision comes through and we got some really cool stuff up our sleeves for the future.
1: Yeah, I think you guys will be pleased. That's all we're going (laughs) to
2: (laughs) say. Like that. Well, I want to talk about the stumbles and the successes because it is launch week, but right after a word from our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify, who powers all of the merch on kindoffunny.com store. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale, including Kind of Funny and Rooster Teeth. Shopify has thousands of integrations and in third-party apps from on-demand, to accounting, to advanced chatbots, and beyond. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames, that's all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Again, that is shopify.com slash kfgames. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames right now. Shopify.com
6: slash KF Games. Now, Andy. Take it away. Shout out to Uplift for sponsoring this episode. I've been using my Uplift desk for well over a year now. I love the thing so much, I decided to write a rap song for them. The build quality is real good. It's made of real high quality wood. They didn't ask for it, I just did it anyway. Getting my Uplift desk immediately improved my mood. Whenever I'm on shows, I'm standing up, I'm feeling a lot more energetic. And also, I kind of feel like I was just maybe creating some bad habits sitting down at a desk all day. I would move my legs up, I'd sit underneath my legs on my chair, and eventually, all that stuff just created really bad back pain for me. Choose from laminate, whiteboard, bamboo, solid wood, butcher block, or even custom solid wood or laminate options. Uplift Desk won New York Times Wire Cutter's Best Standing Desk from 2019 to 2022. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to give them an award as well. Best Standing Desk that I use in my bedroom from when they sent it to me until now. Uplift Desk have a 15 year warranty. They ship the same day you order with free shipping and free return shipping. So if you've been feeling the effects of sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, Day. maybe you want some more energy in your life maybe you want to do squats in the middle of a zoom call or something uplift your life go to kind of slash uplift all right guys adam boys i'll start with you let's talk
2: about launch week right now let's look at yeah. the successes and the stumbles of course mm-hmm. being a live service game being free to play you've yeah. launched many of games in your history let's mm-hmm. talk about this one in particular how has launch week gone for you and the team
4: I mean, it's surreal, right? You 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 work on something. I think we we did a big uh, toast internally, and we had a chicken chomp celebration to celebrate uh, launch day, and we ordered chicken for all the studios. We got three studios: we got Chicago, Orlando, and we got Nashville. Um, and that was surreal because it was it, it, it sort of it's an inflection point. It's where Paris, much like you sending your kid off to college, it's no longer yours, right? It, it's it's something you put so much time and effort into, and now other people have opinions about it. So that was really formative and important. I mean, a lot of people ask like, what does success look like? And I was just like, it's, we released it. We worked on this thing for four years. It's a working product that came out on five different platforms on day one uh, and it works. And of course there was, we talked about sort of stumbles. There was a lot of patches. We had a little bit of downtime here and there, just making improvements to the matchmaking and and queue times and stuff like that. Um, Hot fixes going in behind, config changes, improvements, just trying to make it a better experience, right? and you learn as you go, right? Every time you're like, how many more players are gonna come in when they come in? What's gonna happen then? How do we fix it, right? Somebody's trying to javelin tackle a server behind the scenes, right? We're trying to do patches to fix it. So it's been, elation I think is the best word across the board. We're proud of the work the team did. Obviously, they bust we're We're so happy and excited by the response of the players, streamers playing it, right? Clipping and stuff like that. So even though we are working hard to make it better every day, um I think just pride. There's a lot of pride and elation in the studio. Adam, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to add to that. <laughs> very proud, very elated. Uh, yeah, I've been watching so many streams. I'm sure you've seen me popping up in all kinds of streams, saying hi to people and uh, trying to help them out and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm having a blast. I love it. That's one thing I want to talk with you, Adam Hart, about is when we
2: talk about the live service games and coming out to the big multiplayer audience. We've talked about it with Halo Infinite before. What do, on the opposite side, when we're all the audience looking at you, the developers, what is going behind the scenes for these hot fixes? What is the hot button thing that you and the team get right on? What are some of the things that have to be pushed to the background and then addressed later on? How do you guys juggle that as a team, and what does that feel like as a developer behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, I think like the key for for us is to not be reactive. We don't want to overreact to something uh you know a good example would be people saying oh i get supered all the time and it hits really hard and it's like well maybe don't jump into a group of four (laughs) glowing characters and try to fight them all like maybe that wasn't a good choice that you just made Uh, so we got to let the dust settle on some of that stuff and see you know is this really a problem or is this just like a day one i would like to pretend i'm sora or dante and jump into a group and just start swinging and, and be the boss right um, but then you see also stuff like the stop sign thing Adam was talking about. So uh, what happens in the game is if you bounce on a bounce pad in a move, you bounce up higher. And then if you bounce on another bounce pad, you bounce up even higher. And then if you get a third bounce, it breaks whatever you're doing because that's too much. But you would, uh, you know, choke slam somebody on a car, bounce off of that, hit another car, bounce really high, and then do a lot of damage. You could do that with the elbow drop. You could do that with a stop sign. Uh, using the stop sign is kind of like a spear dragoon dive move. Well, what would happen is you'd hit the bounce pad and then suddenly gain a ridiculous amount of control over your character that's completely unexpected, allowing you to steer yourself back to the bounce pad very easily. And then the second bounce would send you like 80 times higher than we expected, <laughs> like really high. Uh, and then you'd come back down with like what I can only describe as an extinction level, unblockable <laughs> explosion that is a city block size and does like a thousand damage to everybody in the vicinity and there's nothing they can do about it that's probably not so good for the game <laughs> right so we had to attack that one right away there's there's no waiting on stuff like that we get we're, we don't have to think about whether or not people need to adapt that's just like yep let's fix that one so we we went ahead and did a hotfix for it uh and we're very lucky that we have a system that allows us to hotfix some things so we don't need to go through the whole patch process and we can be uh mobile about that stuff but uh you know a lot of it is also the team very good at the game we play a lot lot of really strong players in the office and we're very kind of ahead i think of uh what some of the top strategies might be what some of the stuff is that's gonna feel too strong maybe in three months right we're already working on fixes for those things hopefully before people even complain about them. So that when the changes come out, they'll be like, wow, they listened. But we had that stuff in the hopper like three months ago. And that's how we have to be. We have to be very as as ahead of it as we can. And that requires us to really passionately play our own game, play it well, and really pay attention to how people are playing it in the wild and see if that can influence our, our thinking on it. Adam Boys, as like, the co-CEO of this team
2: over there at iron galaxy. Do you feel the pressure of releasing a live service game? As we look at the landscape and market of other games that have tried and succeeded and also tried and failed and are trying to struggle to get back to it. Are you feeling that pressure with you and the, the other
4: heads of this team? Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 but that excitement comes with heart wrench, right? Of like, what's going to happen. You just hope it's up every time anything bad happens at any game on launch or around launch you know my heart breaks for that team and cuz anyone that's been in development now Gary that you're in the special club right you understand that when there's bad things that happen you're just you, you don't wish that upon anyone so you just hope that things hold up we've we had never seen the amount of players we had on day 1 so you hope that your it holds up and then day 2 it gets bigger and day 3 it gets bigger and as it goes up you know things are going to happen so the thing we try to lead everyone with is just calmness right Diamond hand, this sort of landing, let's just stick with it. Like Adam said, calm, collected, um, react to issues, uh, have big plans for bigger reactions. But of course, man, it is, it is death-defying. But the bottom line is, again, if it came out and there was problems, that doesn't negate all the work that went into the four years of building it, right? So there is still excitement. There's still that that sort of celebratory part of it. Then everything else is like already, you know, when T-Pain's streaming it, you and I are playing it until four in the morning. Like, that's so exciting. That's so fun. These are things that you didn't expect to be doing, you know, your launch weekend. You would expect to be in a triage room, figure out how we get the servers back up, right? (laughs) Which is also still happening behind the scenes as we're putting on smiles and out here talking to great folks like you.
5: I I honestly don't know how you guys do it. I mean, <clears throat> I joke about being a game developer, but it really is it's just joking. Like, Loodle is a stupid thing. and But we would get, like, we had a, a an op, we had a way that people could suggest, like, report bugs and suggest, you know, words and suggest features. And whenever people would, like, criticize the game or say, I don't like this feature or I don't like this word you pick, we would just tell them to go fuck themselves because, like, that was part of the, like, the game was a joke and it didn't matter if it succeeded or failed. But, like, this is a proper commercial enterprise yeah. and you obviously have to take it more seriously but this is the part that scares me the most and i i, I couldn't do it i couldn't work on like world of warcraft or warzone or rumbleverse or any only these games are they're constantly you know having to evolve and keep up with the appetites of the players i don't know if you're like for example i don't know if you're like lurking in the forums or whatever there's obviously in terms of like the 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 feedback you're getting from players, there's raw data, right? You can analyze, there's mm-hmm. analytics. You can just get like the raw data that's coming from from people playing the game. I'm sure you've got like a matrix stream that's coming at you all the time that you can kind of like pick the bones out of. But in terms of like people suggesting ideas, like I like this or I don't like that, I don't even know like where you start with that because it's, it's obviously always so contradictory. Like somebody wants you to go in one direction, someone else wants you to go in another. And you never want to get to a point. I think you touched on earlier where the tail is wagging the dog, right? And you're constantly trying to be reactive and give people like, oh, the foreign people want this. We've got to make sure they get it. Like, you've at the end of the day, you're the author of the game, right? And you need to you need to make sure that you're like, essentially, you need to make sure that all of this influx of feedback you're getting, some toxic, some really helpful. How do you sort the the? How do you sort it all out? How do you take on board what is useful and not get you know annoyed by the rest? I don't even know where you start with that process.
4: I mean, they're, they're, people are going to say, the internet's going to internet is the way we like to put it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I spent many years, you know, being on stage at E3 and people would tell me how I looked like an out-of-work Ella DeGeneres. And so you <laughs> sort of like, you eat those bees and 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 you hope that, uh, you know, you could find the goodness in it. It's, it's hard, Gary, but I think part of it is because we work with so many amazing professionals that get to touch so many other products. And so we get to live vicariously many times through other people's games. When it's your own, it does hit different. I always say to people, don't read the comments, and everyone does. We're in all the forums. You imagine we see Twitch chats, sometimes it's Keats in a chat, sometimes me in a chat with people, just interacting with people, and you want to see what they think. But there is that part, I think, with experience through your career, experience that I like to say uh, digested through the context of your life becomes wisdom. And that wisdom is what helps you govern how you pick out the 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 jewels in the mess of the internet right uh and sometimes it is formative like oh that's a great idea or you see a clip that people have ideas you you grab that and you say that's we should run with this um but that really is also just having a, an incredible uh talented team that you can rely on and be like we're doing this together be calm be cool people are gonna scream about stuff people are gonna yell dead game right they're gonna do that on call of duty launch day two right <laughs> it isn't true uh so it is the forest for the trees part is difficult but Uh, sometimes too, I think, especially with young developers, um, Nate Mefford, one of our coworkers has this great saying. He said, the worst thing that can happen to a new game developer is their first game is successful because they, then they think they had something to do with it. Right. Right? And that's so true. Right. Because it's like, part of this is just magic. You put something into the world. You hope people respond to it because you did, but you never know. There's thousands of games that get released every year. Um, so with that, I think you got that support structure that we have as a team. I can, I can, only feel, Gary, to your point of like independent developers put some out there, and they're reading every stream review, and they're a solo developer, they have a team of four people. We have a team of a hundred people that we can support and 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 give them that that love that they need uh, in these hard times. And again, over time, then they're going to realize I should read less of this stuff or roll my eyes. What I do sometimes, is I clip it. I'm like, oh, well, that's a good, that's a good dig, you know, <laughs> like when somebody said wreck a tear, more like wreck my career. I'm like, that's, I'm keeping that one right, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, you got to give credit where it's due. You got to give props when you get Absolutely. when you get owned very, very well. Speaking, yeah, so can we just a little, do a, a can, sorry, can go, we yeah, just go go do like a, a quick digression? I apologize for this, but like I feel like for people who are watching the video version of this, even with the hat and the beard, there are some people oh. going, looking at Adam going, "I know that motherfucker from somewhere. I just can't <laughs> put my finger on it." And I love the fact that we have Adam boys on an, on the Xbox on the Xcast here because Adam, of course, did perpetrate and was a key protagonist in one of the great owns on the Xbox and the Xbox community of all time. When he did the legendary, here's how you share a game on PlayStation. And I just, I, 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 I the funny thing is that I'm sure you, I know you've given interviews. You've talked about it a million times. I don't think you and I've ever talked about it. It's obviously years, years on. And I think triggers to think about it. Cause like you just said, like you got to give, we got, even when you're the one getting owned, you got to give props. And I remember when you did it going, you know what? That was so spot on xbox needed to get pulled up on this you did it in a funny and yeah and just it straight to the point kind of way i thought it was brilliant and now you're a part of internet history you're a meme right you're a, you're a part of this you've got this kind of little corner of like internet perpetuity that you've carved out for yourself i just like all these years later i just like mike did, did you did you not put that together because you, you I did didn't, the brain Gary.
0: explode oh <laughs> this my brain, brain right just here.
2: exploded because i know that very well <laughs> And no, me and Adam spent all weekend together and it didn't click in my head to say, oh, you're that jabroni. I love that, Adam. Love in my
5: that. in my head canon, the whole reason why Adam now has the hat and the beard is he's sick of people on the street going, <laughs> hey, how do you share a game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's gone into like disguise mode i mean do you yeah. still get that to this day i mean that, that must follow you around right yeah
4: when people when we onboard new employees gary it's a lot like <laughs> i always do q a so we do uh i do sort of onboarding with every new employee we do groups of, of two usually um and we have two sections where they can ask any question and yeah about 10 20 percent of the time they're like hey just tell me the backstory of how that happened <laughs> right um but yeah it's one of those Right place, right time for me, wrong place, wrong time for, I think, some fans out there. But it was was one of the things, Gary, that I got that moment. I I never, I always own all the consoles, right? There was some fervor around, I think, that era of 360, PS3, um, you know, Xbox One, PS4 that was just like, it, it was fun to get wrapped up in it. And Mm -hmm. it was like uh, playing a character. I remember when I first met Phil Spencer. It was at actually at a Minecraft party. Notch was there, and he comes up to me, gives me a big handshake. First time we met, and he goes, "I love the character you play on the internet." (laughs) And I just thought that was so. (laughs) He knew me and Aaron Greenberg. I mean, we're all friends, right? Because behind the scenes, like you're, yeah, you're working for a big company, but you're all you're on it together. And I definitely there was definitely some people I think at Microsoft that did not like me. I heard about a dark board with my face on it that people just throw at because they just <laughs> thought I was I was the devil. Um, but I'm just, I just love all of it, right? I love games in general. I love consoles. I don't... As soon as I left, I was like, yeah, I mean, of course I work for PlayStation, but I also have a huge gamer score. Like, I've been playing Xbox a ton too, so um yeah people that get too wrapped up in that stuff i think is hilarious but then i was also one fanning the flames you know when i worked there <laughs> too so what's well, funny about it,
5: that now is that it does feel almost like something from another era right because you know we've had phil does. spencer on here before and phil of course has been a big part of what like, the whole kumbaya i, totally. I want to play god of war it's mm-hmm. not about where you're playing it's all we're all players together and it's all very like i want to buy the world of coke and i i like the fact that we've moved on from Again, we're all and some of us here are old enough to remember Nintendo, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that thing that you did with Shu was almost like one of the last gasps of the old console wars before that kind of fell out of fashion. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, it, that's what I oh, wanted God. to say. I wanted to to say to that very point. You were a part of one of the biggest moments in gaming history. That that thing that you did, I guess that was 2013, right? I mean, that's something We'll be talking about a decade from now because it's that memorable. So, but I'm glad you said what you said about you own all the systems. Obviously, you know you you fan the flames a little bit because you know it used to be fun to to do that. But I think we we have kind of reached the point where I am glad to see more people being upfront about what we know happens behind the scenes about everyone's friends, everyone's colleagues. Yeah. It's a friendly competition and not this cutthroat. You know, weirdo console war stuff that 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 we see online. Um, and I know I interrupted you, Gary, but since I, I am talking, I am gonna kind of shift it back into something that Adam was saying before. You know, you're talking about, you know, filtering out the noise and everything that you see with online comments and all that, but but I am curious. You know, while you're working on the game, and I'm assuming this, you know, you're more of in a bubble, you come up with this concept, you come up with something that's a little outside the box, you think it's great, the team thinks it's great, you're having fun. But with this weekend launching, I mean, for for you personally, or just just the the, around the team, I mean, you know, I'm assuming there was some some nervousness as you launch, but what has the reception? been like that you've seen overall from the community about this game like I said me personally I've had fun with it but you know sure. from what you've seen you know what, what what's what been the reception so far
4: I mean really super positive we just saw IGN's review hit today we got a nine which is fantastic uh really proud of that obviously I think again launching a game with the live services with the servers staying up for the most part with people again the matchmaking issues but that stuff aside it's more of the reaction that like even even so, like there's other games right now that are launching people like this versus that. I'm like, just if people are enjoying it, they're high-fiving each other. They're sharing clips on their streams. They're exuberant. That is so it, – it just – it's it, – it, it, it resonates, right? You see that sort of. Then the echo chamber becomes other people too. So it's been nothing but, like I said, elation. Like just so much excitement. So a lot of positivity. Of course, people have feedback on stuff, but generically speaking, it it is fresh. Some people don't get it right away. You know, parents they come on, they play for a bit. They're like, I don't get it. Maybe they check out a tutorial. They come back with their friend, and then sort of things change a bit. But overall, it's been vastly positive that I've seen. Of course, there have been you know the other stuff, the other sort of chatter. But overall, really, really positive. And and again live service game, launching free to play. I just haven't seen that a lot. And so it's nice to be in that room when you feel that warmth and, and love from, from the community.
1: Yeah. We're not totally flying blind, like early on in development either. We did a handful of friends and family playtests, and, you know, we'd, Bring in a bunch of trusted folks, let them see an earlier version of the game, ask them, hey, what do you think? And they're like, we love it. And it's like, OK, well, we can't trust them. They're our friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that great to
4: three <laughs> times, by the way, to be an early playtest. Just want to be on the record. Then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you, we do some more playtests with like total <laughs> strangers. We pull people off the street. We have them playtest it. And we say, hey, what do you think? Do this big survey. And we like it. OK, cool. Maybe maybe we got something here. And uh then we start doing the, the big reveal at Game Awards. We do the, the public test there uh, in December and, uh, you know, watch the sentiment there. People seem to really like it and, and seem to get it. And it's a game with an identity, right? It's going to find its audience because it's, it's for somebody. We don't know exactly who that somebody is yet. We're finding right. out now. But it's definitely for somebody. And I think a community is going to form around us and tell us, you know, exactly who this game is for.
5: Can I, can I ask you this? And cause I, cause I have a question on the back end of it. So the game just launched. Has it been in like, in terms of like just keeping the servers up and everyone can go play and not have to worry about crashes and queues or whatever, that side of it has been, been pretty
4: stable. Has it? Yeah, we had uh, the Friday night, I think we had a queue, basically our matchmaker was getting overloaded, so we were queuing people up to wait, but we were chewing through about 5,000 people a minute, so it was going relatively fast, some people had to delay that night, we then did a patch Monday morning, people were down for about two and a half hours, but aside from that, the uptime has been you know, really, really high. Um, The matchmaker times very early on. Mike, you and I were experiencing this, right? Three to five minutes. But as we did config fixes and hot fixes and back-end patches, and then that Monday morning one, it's significantly lower now, which is great. There's been some stability stuff we've been working on too. So yeah, for the most part, Gary, I'd like, you know, knock on wood here. But it's been, like, I've been playing it for five days, like for at least sort of six hours a day.
5: So 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 my follow-up question then is, like, basically, without getting, like, too bogged down in, like, the technical weeds, like, how do you achieve that right because we've seen so many times when that's not the case right and it's a big pet peeve of mine is like even the biggest AAA company will launch an online live service game and you can't get on or it's crashy or it's laggy or the queues are way too long and it drives me and i'm sitting there going like you had one job like let me play the game right and i've said before it's sometimes in public i've said like just take the worst case scenario for your server load and then just have double the capacity ready to go. Like whatever it is, just double it. And I've had game developers come back and, and say like, I don't want to get into That's it, but not like, it's not, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> and and so, so, but, so explain it to me, like how, how were you able to have a successful stable launch when so many games seem not to be able to do that basic thing?
4: I mean, again, it, there was the queue times, but what the, what the team did very smartly so is they put a bunch of gates so the way I kind of look at it is like, you can lay out like a concert, let's take Lollapalooza here in Chicago, for example, you can lay out the virtual design of where, where are all the concessions going to be? Where are people going to go? How's the traffic going to go? And you can run that visualization, that simulation a million times. And you're like, looks great. As soon as people show up, right? I just watched that Woodstock documentary, Woodstock 99, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden yeah. everything goes to shit, right? <laughs> so there, it's easy for people to be like, just put more virtual people pushing at the thing. They're not going to do what human beings do. They're not going to act like real consoles act. They're not going to, you know, log in, log out, unplug the controller, plug it back in and all that stuff. So it's really difficult, Gary, for people that aren't technical to understand, but like you literally have to let people just rush the stage and see what happens. And then what buckles, then you sort of, okay, we need more structure here. We need this dates and gates we need um and i mean we've been doing this collectively as an industry now live games for what online games for 20 plus 30 plus almost years and yet every new game has the same Problem. So there is no sort of like silver bullet. Oh, if we just would have done what those guys did, every big franchise launch, I think, has this problem. Um, so it's easy to be like, oh, just stack it up. So all we did, Gary, is that's why the queue occurred is we had these sort of um stop gaps. So when things looked like there was pressure rising in the pipe, they couldn't get to the next part. So people had to wait outside the club to get in. Um, which to us was just so that way it doesn't collapse for everyone else that's right. already in the experience and so it's a balance right it wasn't it hasn't been perfect but again um you just you just gotta be calm and, and try to address the issues and and again this this too shall pass as tom hanks likes to say next week it'll be better week after it'll be better next season it will be better stuff like that so um it's a lot of work but it is it is pressure and, it, and i've seen those comments the exact comment you made just work harder lazies right. just prepare more <laughs>
5: But that and 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 that and that's the crazy thing, right? Is that no matter who you are, whether you're a small indie developer uh or you know, or you're triple A and you spent hundreds of millions of dollars developing and marketing your game, there's obviously things you can do. Like I said, you can build in as many safeguards, you can project, you can do models, you can do all that kind of stuff. Like you said, there's a huge difference between a between like the best model of like a million virtual people in a theme park and real people in a theme park because we just can't you just can't break it down on that level right people are too complex and unpredictable so you can do your best but then this is maybe maybe kind of the scary truth is that even at that top level you've spent every penny you can you've thrown every server you can at it until you press that button and open the gates you genuinely have no idea what's going to happen
4: yeah that's exactly what it is it's uh and it's hard to fathom Right? We're very modern technology. We've evolved a lot, but it's just you press that button and things might go down, right? You hope for the best. So,
2: now, guys, we don't have much time with you, so we got to start to ramp down. So, Paris and Gary, prepare your final question you'd like to ask these two. Adams, we didn't get to talk much about the game itself because I really love everything in that, right? From the moves that you can pick up, the way that you go from health to supers the ring, the circle, the countdown timer. There's so much to talk about, and I'm sure we'll find another time to talk about. But I guess let's talk content for my final question, right? Content is king. We look down the road. You've talked about it, of planning out and what the content looks like. But I'd like to look at that of like, content means so much, right? We think of microtransactions. You think of the storefront. But I also think of content as different game modes right adding and elevating your spectate mode which you currently have Will we have a ranked playlist right a new map of course it's only week one but you know players will start to talk about that what is what is the content that you can share with us or there top of the priority contents that you want to add like a trios or a quads is there anything you can share with us now before
4: we go yeah. So nothing to you. I know you want a real answer here. Good try, good try. I got I to gotta <laughs> sidestep you a bit, Mike, because the way that I look at because I've been asked this question a lot like what's coming next? What about this? What about this license? You guys should integrate this this mode. There is a list that is 1000s of pages long of the greatest ideas and we've been stack ranking them. So you can imagine the stuff that we think is the most impactful is going to be coming in the in the next sort of year and beyond. But the best part is we have a multi year plan. We got a massive sort of like uh, multi season strategy where we're going to see a lot of so if we want to surprise and the light, you know, the goal when we made this game was to bring joy uh, and smiles back to multiplayer gaming. And you can imagine that sort of one of our, you know, North stars as we put content out in the future. So we want to make new things and try new stuff along the road. So you just got to have to stay tuned and find out.
2: I'll take that answer, Adam, because you've made me <laughs> smile this whole entire weekend. So I'm going to get you with that one. I love that answer. Gary and Paris, I'll open up the floor to you guys for your final questions before we got to let these two go
3: mine isn't really a question and again thank you both for for taking the time to talk to us about this game um i think there's definitely a second conversation i could have to get more in depth about the actual features and modes that you have but this is more of a i'm glad you made this game because on the outside looking in I absolutely did not think this would be a game for me. I mean, just being 100% honest, I go, mm, I, don't, I don't think this is something again, you know, being in the fighting genre, but yeah. it's different enough and it's borrowing from enough different things and putting it together in this package that to anyone that's watching or listening to this, it's worth trying because I'm, I'm telling you from the very first match, I picked this up, I go, oh man, I get it this is fun as hell. I like this. This this is fun. I can see me playing this for hours on end. And you know, my, my knucklehead son on the other side here, I got to pull him in because I know this is something he's going to love. And we could do duos and do all the different fun things together and and really enjoy this title. So really, for me, it's it's thank you. Thank you for doing something different. Because I think we need more of this in this industry. And um, yeah, so far, so good. It's looking like a lot of fun.
2: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, were with any final questions before we go?
5: I was going to ask Adam if you'll if you'll share a game with me because I want to be a part <laughs> of video game history. <laughs> I you're like Adam, below me. You could like pass something up. And I could like take it from down below. Well, we'll yeah, exactly. Oh, thank yeah, we'll, you very we'll much. There
4: we'll you. shove some. Yeah, we'll go. You know, if you got Lego in your background, I don't
5: have. Phys- past- I don't have any physical games anymore. So I can't. I can't even like. I don't like either. It. Yeah. <laughs> who has Who has physical copies of games? Um, I, I again, just the, the 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 broader picture of it. Battle Royale. Do you do you feel do you feel feel like Battle Royale is Like you said just in the in the few years that you spent developing the game the landscape changed immeasurably right from where it was to where it became much more competitive just in the time that it took you to make the game do you think a lot of people have had have had this conversation is it it, it, you know is it a a fad is it here to stay what what do you think are we still going to be is battle royale still going to be like a central part of the way that we play games 10 years from now
4: i mean i think as long as people keep innovating and improving and changing and trying new things to paris's point i think it it could be here for a long time what i love about it is pick up play get knocked out i'm right back in again i'm spectating for a bit and then i'm in another match back to back to back that's the way i like to play games i don't like downtime unless i'm playing a big mmo and then it's like okay buckle up i'm chopping trees down for the next 800 hours um so to me i think it will gary as long as there's more innovation uh i think if it gets stale then we might see people try to jig and jog but we could predict it before I right. love that many of the new sort of emergent games that come out and become successful because people are trying new things. It's coming from the small teams that are that are taking risks out there. And I think that's super, super important. I don't think you go to lab and try to predict exactly what the future is. So throw stuff at the wall and hopefully that's where we keep, to evol- keep evolving and see multiplayer game going in the future.
1: Yeah, I have a slightly different answer, which is that Battle Royale isn't a genre. It's a game mode. Uh, what we've built is a 3D platformer melee combat brawler thing right that those are our verbs uh you know uh, uh apex is a shooter that's the verb right that's what you're doing in it and and battle royale is the game mode they could do all kinds of things with their shooter gameplay it doesn't have to be a battle royale it could be deathmatch it could be a race <laughs> if you want right <laughs> it, it's it's whatever um so that the way i look at it is that we've built something that's really interesting and cool it's a 40 player online brawler that feels really good and has like really tight platforming. It's not something you've seen before, just in that regard, ignore the battle royale part that right, doesn't right. really exist. So try it for that. And uh, I think the battle royale part will hook you too, because it's awesome, but there are so many things that we could do with this. So, uh, yeah, that's my answer. Really great answer right there, Adam. Of course
2: we have to say goodbye. Cause I got to get you guys out of here. My two gaming dads off to their evening dinners with their family. We're kind of funny best friends. Thank you all so much for tuning in and hanging out with us for another week of the kind of funny X cast. We got to sit down with Adam boys, co-CEO of iron galaxy. And of course, Adam Hart, the lead designer on Rumbleverse. the team from iron galaxy. Thank you both for being here. Adam boys, I'm going to kick it to you to say goodbye to everybody. What is one final thing you'd like to impart on the kind of funny audience? And of course, what should they know? Where can they leave feedback for you guys to uh, continue to elevate this incredible game?
4: Well, first of all, thank you for playing. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for checking out Rumbleverse and giving it a shot. You can go to Rumbleverse on Twitter, uh, Rumbleverse support as well. If you're, uh, they're going to update you with all the, uh, you know, issues anytime we have downtime. But in general, you can also go if you're looking for a job, you w- want to work at video games, IronGalaxyStudios.com. Check it out. We're there. We're looking. We're growing. We're building new studios. We're excited that uh, be here and uh, that that y'all gave us a uh, gave us some time. Appreciate it.
2: Heck yeah. All right. We'll be on the behalf of the two Adams and my gaming dads. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. See you everybody.